taking a break from our series through Jeremiah today to think about what the commissioning of uh, Phoebe means and, uh, and also to think of next week with the commissioning of our kids' church teachers. Now, at the time of the communist takeover, China was the, the jewel of the international missionary community. There were 7,000 foreign missionaries in China when almost overnight Mao forced them out. And what did they leave behind? 400 years of missionary endeavor. What was left? Well, there was less than 1% of the half billion population were Christians. Less than 1%. And then all foreign support vanished overnight. The bamboo curtain slammed shut. And Christians worldwide were genuinely concerned. How would this fledgling church survive? One missionary who'd been kicked out lamented, we feel so sorry for the church we've left behind. They have no one to teach them, no printing presses, no Bible colleges, no one to run their medical clinics or orphanages. They have no resources except for the Holy Spirit. Seemed to be enough, didn't it? For despite decades of silence where nothing came out to the Western world or to the international Christian community, And despite authorities hounding and persecuting the church in China, they are now experiencing the longest revival in history from the late 70s all the way through now. There are an estimated over 100 million Christians in China. So not only has the population tripled since 1950, close to, but there has been an increase of 7% of Chinese who will say they are Christian. That's more than the official membership of the Communist Party. That's more Christians than any other nation in the world. And one of the key reasons Christianity not only survives but flourishes is because of the faithful generation. That generation in 1950 that found they had no resources but themselves and the Holy Spirit and were committed to being faithful to God and to passing that on to their children and to their grandchildren. When I was in China in 2016, I had the privilege of meeting some from that faithful generation. Uh, they were What a thrill it was to see some of the older folk and younger folk, but some of the older folk with well-worn Bibles that they had cherished over the decades and used that to transmit, to transfer, to pass on their faith to their children and grandchildren. And so how do we as parents and grandparents, even great-grandparents, how do we do the same? How can we be a faithful generation to our children and grandchildren? And this is what the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is all about. This is what we'll be opening up this morning. And so today, we'll set that book, Deuteronomy, in its context And then we will look at what a faithful generation is, the five characteristics that mean that we can pass on our faith to our children and grandchildren. And then we'll look at some take-homes, some applications. So what's the context of the book of Deuteronomy? Well, it's the fifth book in the Bible. It's the last in a section called the Pentateuch, which make up those books of the Bible, those five books of the Bible attributed to, to Moses. Deuteronomy finds the people of God at the Jordan River on the wilderness side about to take on the promises in the promised 
land. However, they have a number of major problems. The first problem is that Moses will not be entering in with them. The second problem they have is that the original generation, the original generation who escaped from Egypt and received the law, they're now all dead. This is the children of those who had escaped from Egypt. And so with no Moses and with no parents who knew, who received the law, how will this generation be right with God and how will this generation be right with each other? Well, that's what this book is all about. It's all about how a generation can pass on their faith to others. So what happens at the beginning of Deuteronomy is by the Jordan River, he gathers all of the people together and he gives them the law for the second time. The law was given at Mount Sinai 40 years before. They're all dead. So God, through Moses, gives this new generation a law. And so he gathers these people so that they can know the law and live it, but so that they can pass it on to the next generation. And in chapter 4, we see five characteristics of a faithful generation, five characteristics that we can aspire to. So chapter 4, verse 1. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now the first characteristic of a faithful generation are those who, who know the blessing of God's word. They are told to go and live in the land and take that promise that they had been holding on to for 40 years and make it their own. So you see, they knew the promises of God to be true. They went to live in the land. And we're not just talking every heartbeat and the drawing in of every breath. We're talking about abundant life. The people of God knew the abundant life of God. They knew the promises to be fulfilled. And this is what they were to pass on to the next generation. Jesus put it like this in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. A faithful generation knows the life of Christ, that abundant life. They walk in that abundant life, and so they are motivated to pass that on to their children. They know that it's not just going to happen unless they are intentional. So the people of God, they knew the promises, they experienced the abundant life in the promised land, and they were to pass that on, and so are to we. The next characteristic of a faithful generation is that they respect God's word. Verse 2, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. In this passage, wherever you see commands or laws or decrees, we know that means the Bible, the whole of God's word. But a faithful generation does not add or subtract from God's word. Now, if we go back to Galatians, in Galatians, they were adding to God's word. They were saying, to be saved, you need Christ and to follow the Jewish laws of circumcision and festival keeping. And Paul was saying, no, you cannot add to the word of God. It is Christ and Christ only. Some churches today might say you need to believe in Christ and attend our church because no one else has got it right. So salvation is Christ and our church. 
And we say, no, it is Christ alone. Do not add to the word of God. And there are all sorts of things that we can add to the word of God, but a, but a faithful generation will not. The other thing a faithful generation will do will not take away from God's word. And our generation has had that attempt. How many people here have heard people, other people, some Christians say, you can't believe in the virgin birth. It's impossible. It was a natural birth. And you see how people are trying to take away from the word of God. Other people have told us, you can't believe in the miracles of Jesus. You can't believe in the physical, historical resurrection of Jesus. And so there are people that want to take away from God's word. But a faithful generation respects it, will not add, will not take away, but will pass it on in its fullness to the next generation. Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law, that's the Bible, until everything is accomplished. The third characteristic of a faithful generation is that they know how to obey God's word. Verse 3. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord, that's obeyed God's word, who held fast to the Lord, are still alive today. Now, at first reading, we, we don't understand what Moses is referring to. What had happened, though, as they were traveling towards the Jordan River, as they were about to go into the Promised Land, the nations on the wilderness side of the Jordan River tried to stop them. And in the military battles, God wiped them out. The Israel army were totally victorious. Now, the Midianites and the Moabites, who were neighbors and still on that far side of the Jordan, they were very scared. They were tremendously upset, and they thought, we're next. So they hired, they commissioned a pagan prophet by the name of Balaam. You may have heard of Balaam. And so the idea was that Balaam would come and he would curse the Israelites so that the Moabites and the Midianites could take out Israel in a military way. But Balaam was stopped. Does anyone know how Balaam was stopped? Yeah, talking donkey. You can read about it in Numbers 22. It's such a good read. Now, Balaam was very upset because he had been promised a truckload of money to curse the Israelites. And that was stopped. So what he did is he took the king of Moab aside and he said, well, look, I can't curse them, but I can tell you how to defeat the Israelites if you give me some money. <laughs> and so the king agreed. And do you know what Balaam's plans was? Sex and idols. And so what happened was the Moabites sent his pretty girls with a whole bunch of idols into the camp of Israel. And guess what? A whole, not everyone, but a whole bunch of Israel thought, this is a jolly nice idea. It's a little bit boring out here in the wilderness. And so they sunk into levels of debauchery. And God will not be mocked, especially by those people who carry his name. And so God sent a plague. You read about this in Numbers 25. And then Phineas, the priest's son, he stopped the plague. He stopped the wanton acts of debauchery. And so God had mercy on Israel, but not before 24,000 Israelites were killed. 24,000 Israelites disobeyed God's word. 
while the rest of Israel obeyed God's word. And that's what Moses is talking about here. The Lord your God, verse 3, destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who obeyed God's laws, all of you who held fast, are still alive today. Fortunately, this is a one-off and extreme example. But a faithful generation knows what it is to disobey God because we, have, we all know the consequences. We know that if we disobey God's word, oh, we, we might have fun for a while or it might suit us for a while, but it always catches up. We don't want to pass that on to our children. On the other hand, we also know what it is to obey God's word, how it builds resilience into our life and joy and how good blessings follow us. And we want to pass that obedience the blessings of obedience onto our children. Here, Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a a wise man who built his house on the rock. Those people who obey God's word are like those who build on a solid foundation. And when the storms and the trials of life come, they stand and they stand firm. And we want to pass that on to our children. Fourthly, a faithful generation are careful with God's word. Verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Faithful generation hides God's word in our hearts and will not let them slip. We remember God's kindness and blessings in the past. We hold them close. So when the tough times come, we can turn to God's word and we can remember how God has blessed us and been faithful in the past. We are careful not to let slip God's blessings. And we are in more danger than we think. For unless we carefully watch ourselves, we easily forget the good times we've had with God. And when we do, we are in danger of just going through the motions of our faith with no heart. We're in danger of letting our love for Christ go cold and his words slip from that place in our heart. And of course, this is what happened to the Pharisees. They had great Bible knowledge. They were diligent in their duties. They attended church and prayed and tithed and did everything right from the outside. But they had long let their love for God slip from their heart. Faithful generations watches this closely. We're on our guard, lest our abundant, vital, and joyful walk in Christ slips away. Who wants to have that replaced with a bland, sterile, going-through-the-motions type ritual like the Pharisees? We want to keep our hearts soft as children. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-five, this is a prayer to his heavenly Father. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. A faithful generation strives to have a heart towards God that is soft and innocent and completely trusting. The world will make our hearts calloused and hard and push Christ aside. But we know that we have a heart walk with God, then we know we are close to him. And we want to pass this on to our children and grandchildren. 
And the fifth and the final characteristic of a faithful generation is that we teach our children God's word. We are intentional and purposeful. Verse 9, the second half of verse 9. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. May teach them to their children. Note the double emphasis here on teaching. A faithful generation does not just lead by example, though that's important. We are intentional about passing our faith on. As was Jesus. Wonderful uh, passage in Matthew 19, verse 13. The little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So the adult disciples were important with adult things and were far too busy for the little children. But Jesus knew that the kingdom of God is just as much for a toddler as it is for a geriatric. Jesus wants our children. He he wants them to experience the kingdom of God at an age-appropriate level. He does not want us adults to hinder the children coming to him in a very simple, childlike faith. So these are the characteristics of a faithful generation, that we know and experience God's blessings, the blessings from his word, that we have that abundant life in Christ, and we know that we have experienced his promises that have been fulfilled, and that's our motivation. We don't want our children to miss out on this abundant life. We respect God's word. We will not leave bits out just because they feel uncomfortable and we will not add extra bits. We respect God's word. We will pass on the joy of obeying God's word. Ten Commandments, children. If you don't follow them, you're going to get into a truckload of trouble. If you try and follow them with God's help, your life will be good. We're careful with God's word. We don't let it slip from our hearts and we encourage our children not to let it slip from their hearts and we intentionally teach our children. This brings us to application, our take-homes. How are we going to put this into practice? Well, there are two basic ways in which we can be a faithful generation and it's in the home and it's in the church. We teach our own children and we help teach the children of others. So in church, how are we a faithful generation? Well, one way is to commission a youth intern. It's a great way to be faithful generation. We praise God for Phoebe, who is obedient to God's call on her life at this time, and who has a heart for young people and for Christ. And we all can't work with our youth. We all can't be directly involved. But Phoebe is commissioned on our behalf to work with our young people and to pass on the goodness of God to the next generation. She can't do this alone. Uh, There are no Lone Ranger ministries in the church. We all need each other. And as you have vowed today, (laughs) as you have committed yourself 
to pray and to support in ways that you can. A word of encouragement. Maybe some baking for the youth and the youth worker. Help with transport, all sorts of ways. And Phoebe will build, be building a small team around her and maybe you're part of that team that you can get alongside and, and be quite practical and quite intentional. But we will support Phoebe because we want to be a generation, a faithful generation that passes our faith, a love for Christ to our children and grandchildren. And we have, of course, the commissioning next week of the kids' church teachers and their helpers. That's another way that we can be a faithful generation. Messy church, another way. Our midweek preschool program that's well attended from folk, mainly outside the church. That's another way. Holiday programs. These are all ways that as a church we can intentionally seek to be a faithful generation. And of course I haven't got time to talk about how we can do that in the homes. How as parents and grandparents that we can be that faithful generation. And I know some of you are doing a great job. You know, the picture books of the Jesus stories and other biblical stories and praying with your children, praying for them and praying with them and with your grandchildren. I know that a lot of that's happening. And Mandy, she puts out a newsletter every uh, month to parents and that has some tips about things to do at home. So I know that a lot of you are being wonderful parents and grandparents when it comes to passing on our faith, faith in the living Christ to our children. So be encouraged, be spurred on, be creative in the way that you share Christ with your children as we seek ways to build Christ and his word into our young ones. Let's pray.